Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I get to talk to KK Downing. So you will know um, him for his maybe 40 years in Judas Priest. Um, and he's got a new band, uh, KK Priest, uh, and they're putting music out as we speak. And there's lots of exciting things coming your way from that band, which we talk about. He is a wonderful human being and we have a lovely chat. Get to hear all about what it was like seeing Jimi Hendrix playing some early shows. Um, and we just get... We get to open, like, you know, uh, uh, the, the mind of, of, of somebody that's spent, you know, the last 40 years in, you know, up to his neck in rock and roll. And so it's a, a, a lovely, a lovely kind of chat. And sort of we work our way through his career and it's, it's lovely. And he's, he's such a warm and kind uh, guy. You're, you're really in for a treat. Um, before I press play on that chat, um, just a few thank yous. So uh, thank you to Ben uh, for helping facilitate that. Thank you to 76 uh, for producing the podcast. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and everyone at the Distraction Pieces Network. And also, if this is your first time listening to Off the Beaten Track, then when you get to the end of um, today's episode, um, go and explore the back catalogue because there's well over 300 episodes now. And if you like your rock and roll uh, and your metal, then you can hear me talking to... Um, Tommy Lee of Motley Crue. Uh, you can hear me talking to Foo Fighters. You can hear me talking to Papa Roach. Um, God, I've had all, all manner of, of, of rock and rollers on. Um, and if you like, um, producers, I've, I've, I've spoke to Butch Vig, who produced, obviously, uh, Nirvana and Sonic Youth and Smashing Pumpkins. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's, there's a huge back catalogue of, uh, of chats with not just musicians and producers, but comedians, actors, you know, all sorts of interesting creative people. Um, and they're all answering the same song questions that, um, that I asked today's guest. So um, go explore that. Um, and also, if you'd like to support the, the podcast, the, the ways that you can do that is simply just give us a, a like, a love, a share, a retweet on the social medias. We're on all the all the obvious platforms. Um, subscribe. That way you won't miss an episode. Um, that would be lovely. Um, and if you really want to support it and get access to another vault of, of episodes and radio shows and video episodes, then you can do that at Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com forward slash 
off the beat and track. Um, and then each week I put up radio shows, as I said, and, and video episodes and, and all sorts of stuff over there. And uh, and that cost you 79p a month. Um, not even... Can't even get half a lager for that. So, uh, yeah, that all goes in the in the pot to help kind of keep the podcast rolling. So, um, so yeah, well, look, um, I think I've waffled on enough now and... Uh, I'm going to let um, someone do some talking, and you're in a you're in for a real treat because this is um, this is a vault of rock and roll chat you're about to hear. So it gives me great pleasure to say, please enjoy KK Downing. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now, and you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and this. Gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, and what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beat and track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast that's otbt as in off the beaten track podcast hotelchocolat.com forward slash otbt podcast go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks courtesy of our sponsors hotel chocolat i'll get back to the podcast it's off the beaten track podcast on the distraction pieces network with me stew with him right we're good to go yeah, all good, Stu. Where, where, where are you, mate? In the world, I'd like to know where people are. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm in Essex today, mate. Essex, okay, mate. <clears throat> Sun shining as well. Where are you today? I'm in Shropshire. Nice. Farming country. Love it. Love it. <laughs> right. Well, before we get on to um, today's playlist, I just want to kind of just get your thoughts really over. You know, we're, we're in the UK, we're, 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 you know, everyone, a majority of people seem to be really happy that we're, we're reconnecting with each other and, and live music is happening again and pubs, clubs and concerts are reopening, which is, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled at it. But just to sort of cast our mind back over the last 16 months, how have you found that time both personally and creatively? Well... I would say that it was, isn't it funny? It's like fate. Is it fate or it's something weird, isn't it? Because the thing is, um, after a 10-year spell, I mean, I was busy, but not actually like recording albums and stuff like that. Um, So after 10 years, you know, uh, last uh, uh, December 2019, I decided to sit down scratch my head and everything else and, and try to uh, and put an album together, you know. And, um, and I've got to say, I had to use the word fortunate, but it was good for me to get stuck into that project, really, because I, that project, because the thing is, I had no idea what was, what was about to come at, at mm. me, you know, or the world or everybody. <coughs> um, so really, it kept me kind of busy because I locked myself away Christmas 2019 everything happened pretty fast um you know um and 
the idea was to deliver the album by the end of April, which I was kind of on track to do because I got Ripper over, got our drummer over, got the drums and vocals down. They went back. The day after they went back, everything closed down. Yeah. So we all had to stop. We had, the reason I needed to deliver the album for uh, the end of, of April, uh, there was a bit of contingency built in there, but we had some nice shows booked that year. And we had some nice shows booked this year, but they've all got cancelled, sadly. Um, so everything kind of got put, you know, um, like the studios closed down, the hotels closed, you couldn't go anywhere. Uh, but at least I had, I had the vocals, I had the drums, and so I could then have the luxury for the first time in my life to just, uh, okay, I could tweak this and tweak this and play with it and experiment and... And just to make sure that I'm, I'm 100% happy with it. I've never had that luxury in my life, sure. you know, because you know, usually the money or the time or both runs out and the, and you just have to hand it over. So this is kind of good in a way. And then when things opened up later that year, I was able to get down to the studio in Essex um, with Tony, um, a bass player who works down there. And... Um, and uh, so I was able to reamp and do some more backing vocals, do a few more bits, and uh, and crank the guitar really loud and do a few more bits, you know. So um, and then I came back and then I, you know, tweaked a few things and went back down. So most of that year was taken up really. Um, I was quite happy doing that. I was doing other things at the same time, you know. Um, trying to keep myself healthy because it was a nightmare, wasn't it? You know, they only allowed you to go and walk for like 20 minutes. Oh, it was, it was I'm used ridiculous. To, really I'm used ridiculous. to doing a lot more than that. Do you know what I mean? I have to do, I have to, you know, otherwise I feel like, you know, definitely the hamster on the wheel type of cabin fever. Mm. You start to get this, not, not anxiety buildup, but, you know, to sleep well and to function well, mind and body, you know, you know, need to get out there, and because um, all the golf courses were shut down, tennis, well, everything was shut down, swimming yeah. pools, gyms, everything. So we ended up just going on long walks as best as we could, really, yeah. cheating, cheating a bit, really, getting lost. <laughs> yeah, it was it was really nice. You know, one of the things that I, I, I noticed straight away was was so many people were were out walking and. And no, I, I like to have a, a run every day, and, and and a runner generally, if they run past another runner, will, will acknowledge them in some way, shape, or form—a little nod or a little little wave. And 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 where I live, it's not that I wouldn't say it's the most friendliest of of, of counties. And uh, but during you know those initial weeks of being starved of connection with people, even out walking, people on the other side of the road would kind of like. Hello, you all right? And, and there'd be like a wave, and it was like I think we were just so desperate to sort of speak yeah. to people because we'd been locked up. It was really nice to sort of, you know, just see a different side of people and, and realise oh. that you know we do we do need interaction and connection. Do you know what I mean? You do. It was a weird thing. It was it was exactly that because I mean, kind of. Um, I kind of reside on my own, which I'm quite happy about because I can, you know, I've got total freedom but um apart from the odd phone calls and, and i don't know i don't know about you but i felt that people were calling you less 
And, you know, and there wasn't the conversation about, so if you do go out on a walk and somebody did, you know, you, you saw somebody and you had a few words, it was quite uh, almost a bit kind of, um, it was a bit bizarre. And then you've got other people, you know, um, you'll be on the same side of the road, you've got your, your masks on, and they'll cross over the road, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you think, oh, come on, taking it to extreme yeah. a bit. Yeah. So... There was this kind of vibe going on, and it was very odd for a while, wasn't it? Quite yeah. a long time, for several months. It was very odd and strange. I'm going, okay, fine, you know. <laughs> All right, well, look, we've, we, we, we've done a retrospective over the last sort of 15, 16 months, and we're going to do a, a full retrospective for our, um, your, uh, your life and career. And I'm going to start today's playlist um, by asking you, please, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro. Can you remember what you uh, sent over to me? Because I can prompt you if you need yes. them. Yes, no, 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 definitely. And I didn't take too long to think about it because it was the song that had the biggest effect on me. And it's, it's common knowledge. I tell the story all the time. The first time I ever saw Jimi Hendrix live, he opened up with Foxy Lady. And I can remember it. I'll relive it a million times. You know, it was a Coventry theatre. It was unreal. So he's there. Because he was headlining over Pink Floyd, The Move, Nice with Keith Emerson. You know, it was quite some bill. Mm. Andy Fairweather Low was on. I forget the name of his band. But anyway, I'm, and uh, but he came on. And a familiar figure, because you know how flamboyant he dressed and everything. You know, and the spotlight hits him. And he's got his back. And he's by the Marshall Stacks, you know. And, and he starts the beginning of that vibrato of Foxy Lady where it builds up, builds up, you know, and you're thinking, is it going to die off or what's going to happen? Now this is Jimi Hendrix. He's going to do what he wants it to do. And it built up and built up and he held it for like longer than ever, you know, and keeping everybody really tensed up like me. You can tell I'm getting really excited. (laughs) Thinking about it. I'm thinking about that vibrato there and I'm thinking... He's going to let it go any minute. And he sort of turned around and he just bounced into this shape and hit that chord, you know. I mean, for me, that was the best song intro that I've ever seen. And the place went mad. Yeah. It went crazy. People rushing the stage, jumping from the balcony. It was insane, you know. Uh, uh, The best, the best, best gig I ever saw in my life. I mean, sonically, he was different level, but like you say, to then just turn around and you then are looking at Jimi Hendrix because there weren't many people as cool as Jimi Hendrix. He looked so cool, didn't he? Well, no, because the thing is the first shape when he goes down on the floor and the guitar's in his legs, you know, with that that, that first note, it's just so, such an effect on you, you know. And it did, and everybody rushed the stage, and I was one of them, Yeah, you know. And that had happened to me a few times in my career over 40-odd years or more, you know. But it, it can happen. And I saw it at the Albert Hall. I was at both those shows as well. People were jumping from the balconies and landing on people. But Jimmy was, you know, his managers or promoters, at times they must have said to Jimmy, Jimmy, you've got to control it. You've got to calm people down. Because... Because I saw him at Colston Hall, Bristol, two weeks after that first show. I think it was about two weeks. 
And, and he did calm it down. He opened up with Sergeant Pepper, you know, and it didn't have the same effect because yeah. people wanted those songs off that amazing record, you know. But, I mean, in regards to intros and Hendrix, I mean, we, we've had people choose Crosstown Traffic before because that's an instant call of arms when that starts. And Voodoo yeah. Child, you know, when the guitars just chime in on that as well, it's like... Yeah, well... Like you say, you could pick you could pick any one of those songs for yeah. me. You know, it was just the fact that I happened the the first time I actually saw him live. You know, and that extended vibrato, really milking it. You know, God knows how long it was, but it was just kept us all hanging on. You know, when he got, he went into it, it was just. Uh, Majestic, you know. Oh, but. wonderful. What a, what a moment. I mean, how amazing that, you know, you got to see Jimi Hendrix so many times. That's that's wonderful. Very, very jealous of that. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor. Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, and you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D. Save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, And again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. Well, well, let's stay in the, the, the formative years because I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song that you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yeah, I think, like I say, I tell the story, and this is a long story, so I won't go into it, but, like, when I was a kid, we didn't have any music to listen to because, like, we were white working cat class, not those kids, you know what I mean? And we were always, like, our sister, my sisters, they had Elvis and Cliff Richard and and all of the pop stuff, but uh, there was music around blues, and uh, blues was great, and it was all we had. It was all we had. We were struggling, you know. So early Stones I was interested in, you know, a couple of the Animals tracks, you know. Where, where was home then? Where, where, where was this? I grew up in West, West Bromwich, you know, yep. that's where I, was, where I was born. I'm quite proud of it. There's quite a music scene from there, you know. Um, but... Um, but yeah, I think that. Um, so the song that I heard, and I don't know what year it was really, but it was the one that probably it uh, it stuck with me, and it was "Eva Destruction" by Barry Maguire, which was a protest song. Mm. It, it 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 didn't resound as as a, as a protest song to me. I just liked the song because it wasn't pop, it wasn't classical, it wasn't jazz. Do you know what I mean? It was an alternative to blues. So I, I, this was at the point where I was still looking for music, finding music that I, that I liked, but all the music I liked didn't exist at that time, you know. So and that's, I embarked on the, on the journey to try to create and, you know, and uh, that 
that music and that's what I did when because when we started playing like like lots of other bands as well what we played you couldn't categorize it so people said oh they're a progressive blues band to start with you know what I mean yeah. so if you try to get a gig they said well what sort of music do they play you know we would say oh we progressive blues you know because we didn't know whatever else it was was really yeah. it was it wasn't progressive blues we were not a, a pro blues band but um, and that's why we couldn't get signed to a label, and we found it difficult to get gigs because the music we played was didn't really have a, have a label on it. So, do you think that that scene evolved into what I guess we're going to call metal? Um, yeah, 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 and- absolutely. The, the the evolution really in music, and this is this is for all bands. I'm talking about. Cream, I'm talking about Fleetwood Mac, I'm talking about everybody. All of those great guitar players were very much influenced by the blues and they did a lot of blues standards. Hence, they became progressive blues bands and they were great. And it doesn't matter who it was, Rory Gallagher, Savoy Brown, Jethro Tull, Led Zeppelin, Cream, you know, Wishbone Ash, it goes on and on forever. But those guys were, were in, taking blues standards and kind of changing them and doing their version of it. You know, like Cream, they did Crossroads in this great long improvised solo, which was wonderful, you mm. know. And uh, But that's a, prob- that's a blues standard song, you know. Um, but those guys all honed their skills on the great Robert Johnson, Howling Wolf, whoever it was, you know. But I kind of skipped that, you know. I came in. As much as I was a big fan and loved all those bands, and I saw them all a million times, it wasn't really what I was looking for. But, you know, and that's why I had snippets here and there, very early stones, like I say, Trog's Wild Thing, You Really Got Me, 1965 by The Kinks. You know, why did I like that song when they were a pop band? They were in the charts all the time. You Really Got Me, because it was a riff-orientated song. And that's why when I saw Van Halen supporting Black Sabbath in about 78, 79 and Birmingham Odeon, and they came in and ripped into that song. And that's why I like that song back in 1965, because that song is heavy metal. Yeah. So, but that was the, the evolution was blues, progressive blues, rock, hard rock, heavy rock and heavy metal. And that was the journey I traversed because one day I was a progressive blues band that, in the press, <laughs> the, the media called me. Then they called me, oh, no, hang on, you're a rock band? Okay, I'm a rock band today. Oh, no, hang on, you're a heavy rock band. <laughs> okay, I'm a heavy rock No, you know, uh, no, no, sorry, you're a hard rock band to start with. Then you're a heavy rock band. Oh, guess what? Oh, no, Judas Priest, you're a heavy metal band. Fine. I'm happy with all of it. You know, I love the fact that you're just updating your CV every couple of months. So hang on, no, no, we're we're, we're heavy rock now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you put down on your passport? Uh, uh, or what? So you just uh, you just put musician. Oh, I'm a musician. You know, otherwise, otherwise you would put rock musician when you're on, or something like that. You know, or heavy metal musician. But no, be on the safe side because it might all change. You know, brilliant. Which, we didn't want the customs to get test us. Hang on, you're not a heavy metal fan. <laughs> or something else. <laughs> I mean, if you had to sort of 
pinpoint what the emotion would have been here in uh, Barry Maguire. What would the emotion have been? I just think it was just, I was just so glad that I could hear something that seemed to be deep and meaningful. I didn't know what the guy was trying to get across, and I still, you know, uh, don't really know in depth, you know, uh, so I know the lyrics. Um, but at the end of the day, it was it was still very memorable. It was melodic, but he wasn't singing about love and, and all of that stuff. You know, he was, the guy was obviously trying to get a message across, but it was just deep, deeper and meaningful, and it wasn't pop, it wasn't classical, it wasn't any of those genres, and even I couldn't label it, you know. Uh, so when they said it was a um, a protest song, I thought, what genre of music is that? I don't, I don't, I reckon. I know what folk is, folk music mm. is quite that. But even though I couldn't pinpoint it, but I think it was alternative to me. So it kind of wow, nice, yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, let's stay in those, uh, that, that, those early days. And for track three, I'm going to ask you to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school, please. Yeah, well, I actually put down, I know I put down and it shall Ali by uh, who I thought were a great band, you know. Um, I liked them, even though they were a pop band, you know, the small faces, because to me, they seemed to have something about them, Stevie Marriott in particular. And I was right in assessing that because he, he was edgy, mm. you know, and he seemed to be a guy that was playing something that he really didn't fit him. I don't know why I drew that uh, assumption, but lo and behold, when he went into Humble Pie, you know, I mean, then it just tells me that I was right in making that assessment. But when he would do those songs, like whether it's Park or whatever it was, there was something that was, 
reluctant pop. I don't know what it was. Just something I'm thinking, this this guy's made for more of this. <clears throat> so I became a fan with early Stones and the Trogs. And if I, I, I can remember inscribing those bands on my school satchel because that was kind of all I had at the mm. time, you know, in the very early days. But it was something to latch on to when you watch Top of the Pops. When those bands came on, I liked them, yeah. you know. Early Stones, they looked very eclectic and moody and, and like, you know what I mean? And I didn't really see them as a blues band. I saw them as something that was a bit kind of, uh, you know, kind of a band with attitude and I liked Definitely. that, you know. And they were all kind of got their own kind of persona, yeah. you know. And it was like Bill Wyman, you know, mm. don't look at me while I'm chewing his gum. Yeah. <laughs> and Charlie Watts, you know, bless him. He yeah. wants a day or two go. Mm. Uh, you know, and they, they collectively together, and I'm thinking Brian Jones, who is he? What planet does he come from? But anyway, they were all great. Yeah. You know, they had an attitude. And if, I I'm, liked that. if I'm right, I don't think Marriott wrote Shalalalali. No, it was a cover. It was it was written by Kenny Lynch, the com- the comedian Kenny Lynch wrote Shalalalali. Um, I, I'm not sure I know, but yeah, I'm, I'm a lot pretty damn sure yeah, it was. But it, it didn't have to be that. But the way he just delivers his vocals, he's not a pop singer. Yeah. It's too much yeah. soul in that voice, wasn't there? And the, and the way he moves there, I'm thinking that guy, you know, is and he. And he was, you know, because I had the honour of, you know, um, doing some shows with uh, with him and stuff like that, you know. And, um, but, I mean, but just look at the voice and the stuff that he did, you know. Uh, with Humble Pie, I, I was a big fan. And I'm thinking, because I was never a Peter Frampton fan, but I am now. I'm a big, huge fan, and I have been for a long time, because... His guitar playing was always really quite melodic, you know, and that's not in a bad way. So the contrast with him being quite a melodic player where Marriott was more of a minor player. You have more of a major, more of a minor. And myself and Glenn were very similar to that, you know. Yeah. Especially early on, you know, and I wasn't a big fan of it, but after a time I thought to myself, do you know, Something might become of this because if I have it all my way, it's all going to be really heavy and doomy, you know. <laughs> and I think if Glenn has it all his way, it's going to be sound all very commercial, you know. So when Glenn came up with the idea of um, um, rock and roller, rock and roller, the song rock and yeah. roller one, you know, I'm thinking, oh man, that's, but I'm thinking. We might need this because it took us it took us this long to get a record deal. Yeah, you know, to get a record company on side and to get them to put more money in, we might need to have this option. You know, yeah. And yeah. so that was the route that we went. You know, but similarities with Humble Pie. But now, obviously, as I've as I've kind of not exactly well, I haven't mellowed. I was going to say mellowed. <laughs> I haven't at all, but I've changed my ideas with melodic guitar playing, you know, and so instead of ignoring these great players, and I'm going to mention some names now, guys like Prince, 
mm. who was, was a great uh, great player who could do do more than just melodic stuff, you know. But instead of me ignoring him because he that's kind of what he did, he's really essential to listen to for a guitar player now, you know. And so is Peter Frampton, what he does, uh, what they bring to the table. Absolutely. You know. Track four, first record you bought from a record store, please. Well, I was never a record buyer. I never had any money to buy records, to be honest, you know. You know, I remember my mum going into Woolworths and when you used to get three singles for a pound by people that weren't the real singers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I say that out of interest because a lot of listeners might not remember this back in the 60s, but if you went into Woolworths, they had, they had cheap singles there Song not by the real artist, and you can get three for a pound. That is bizarre his music yeah. history, isn't it? We do. It's worth going into the history books that that used to happen. Well, but uh, I, 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 I never bought. I never bought records because I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I, I didn't have the money to to buy them, you know. But when Jimi Hendrix came along, I had. To, I'm pretty sure the single came out before the album. But I remember getting a hold of it, you know. But they were expensive, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I was working at the time, but I was, I was, I was, I was earning less than five pounds, you know, which was still okay at the time, you know. But uh, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, it wasn't cheap to buy records, you know. Yeah. You just have to like budget yourself to buy like one a week. Yeah. Or one every two weeks. How crazy that that was. I mean, then when you would get that, I mean, you would really cherish that, wouldn't you? And and, and now to think within a split second, you've got the world of music at your hands. It's crazy, isn't it? I'm going to tell you this now, and all of your listeners are going to relate to this. Our beloved vinyl record collections (laughs) and mine's upstairs. You know, it's the fact that we had to damn well work hard to get those yeah. things. And yeah. they, yeah. we treasured them like gold. Yeah. Putting the needle on and not people saying, oh, can I lend you? No. You know. <laughs> no. You can't lend it. But I've said it many times on this podcast. I think one of the things, and I, and I don't want to, you know, come across as a granddad and say, no, I'm, I'm just vinyl for me. I, I, my vinyl collection is in the room behind me now, and I adore it, and it's a massive part of my life. Um, but I'm also a fan of the fact that young people can access any kind of music now on streaming services. I think that's really exciting as well. However, I do think, and I've said this many times on this podcast, the one thing that is lost now is the album artwork. And I think when you got oh, yeah, yeah, them, yeah, yeah. You, you got your record, it was like, I'd put that record on and I would sit and stare and yeah. read every possible well, sleeve note. Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And we did because we put the record on and we got the album cover and we were there. Hopefully it was a double gatefold. Oh, well, what a bonus so, that would have been. <laughs> well, when we read all the information and everything, all the detail, we'd still sit there all, sit there for the whole album and more, just keep looking at the pictures, you know, because yeah. it was all we had. We did and it was all you had. It was all you had because now you can go on social media and you can see what your favourite rock stars are having for breakfast, what where they're down the gym. You don't want to know that. I love the fact that that was somewhere else. That was elusive. These were out of out of hand, you know, out of touch. You couldn't, you didn't know anything about them. 
it was all you had if you saw somebody in a pub, you know, drinking a beer. Oh, I wonder where that pub is. I really want to know where that pub is. <laughs> How can I find out? I want to know where he is, what day the week that is. Oh, brilliant. What colour shoes he's got on, you know. Was all, but this is why we can't part with our record, with our vinyl collection. Absolutely, no. absolutely. All In right. fact, next, next time I do something with you or whatever, I've got my record collection. I'll, I'll pick. I'll just at random. I'll pick three interesting albums out. Maybe we can have a chat about them. That's Let's do that. Quite interesting. Sounds three great. Albums that I think people might not have. There, but you know, and there, there might be some rare stuff in there. But obviously. Because I'm of an age, there might be some interesting stuff. It's not extensive because, again, because of my age, mm. the girlfriends over all of those years, 50-odd years, have depleted my, you know, a lot. Every time they, one of them goes, some of my vinyls go as well. You know, that's why. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to move forward a little bit for track five and ask you to tell me the song that soundtrack your time clubbing. But you you put a little addendum on this that uh, it would have been pubbing. Yeah, pubbing. Yeah, it was pubbing because, you know, that's what we did really. I mean, so what used to happen is that if you, if there wasn't a gig on somewhere where you could go and see a band, and they used to, because most pubs and that, you know, were gigs. There was a lot. I was very lucky when I was a lad, a teenager, because there was kind of always something going on, you know, Birmingham, West Bromwich, Walsall, Wensbury, Dudley, you know, this, you know, it's probably like London, you've got all of these suburbs, and there's always a pub with a band on. So we were quite lucky. Um, but if there was a night where there wasn't something going on, we would go to a pub where they were had a jukebox with some songs on that we could play, Yeah, you know. And, and um, there was a pub not too far from where I, I lived called The Rising Sun, and they had a jukebox, and they had kind of um, – they, they would be more kind of popular songs that did kind of chart in a way. And I know I put down Black Knight by Deep Purple. I would go to that pub because I love that song, and I didn't have it in my collection, but it rocked out, you know. But, but they had some – some other stuff on there. They would have songs like Hey Joe, stuff that had been in the chart yeah. that they bought at the time, but they got lazy and left them on the jukebox, yeah. you know what I mean? Because they couldn't, couldn't keep re- – they thought, oh, it's big in the charts, we'll leave it on there. So we would go down there and play. But I remember specifically Black Knight because I was so in love with that song. Yeah. You know, because quite simply, the, the big highlight there, which – I do, and I'm a big fan of, is the double, is the double whammy yeah. up and down by Blackmore. You know when he when he goes for, and this is how we used to break tremolo arms all the time, and he did as well. Um, the three biggest breakers of tremolos, I'm sure Hendrix used to go through them like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> but because because we used to do this as well a lot you know, the up and down with a floating bridge. Uh, Richie, me, and early John Roth, we all had to have reinforced tremolo bars on our straps in the early 70s. I didn't know those guys did it, but we all did. I did it. In fact, Rob, Rob Halford's dad, did mine because the tremolo arms used to break off 
because they used to heat up in the friction. Yeah. And they were just thin anyway with playing them, the fender ones. They kept breaking off and we used to have to keep drilling them out. So Rob's dad kindly did one and retapped it and made me a, a steel bar, you know, uh, and, and, and it never broke again, you know. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, I'm yeah. just, I just, you, I've just thought of something. Then I was just talking about like my my vinyl buying now generally um, involves charity shops. And if I'm in a charity shop, what I always see, can you remember them top of the pops compilations? Generally, with a woman with a bikini on, and that would always have been cover versions of like songs from the sort of seventies. So, with that in mind, are you aware if you anyone ever covered use on them? I don't know. It's an interesting question, but I remember them. Yeah. Like I say, they were big sellers, I'm sure, you know. Um, but I don't know, because obviously we did Top of the Pops a few times, but whether anybody does does us, I don't know. I really don't <laughs> well, know. This is one of the questions I, I, I love to ask um, guests, because, you know, we're, I, I mean, everybody over a certain age in the UK would be obsessed with Top of the Pops. It was your once a week where it was the Bible. That was where you got to see your favourite pop stars. You know, you'd never see them anywhere else, you know. The internet wasn't there, you know. And so you might get a snippet of them in a newspaper or a magazine, but Top of the Pops, you could see them in all their glory. Um, And so growing up, I I presume you grew up watching Top of the Pops. Um, Absolutely. Tell me about the time when you got the the call to say you're going on top of the pops and when you got to top of the pops, how was that? Did it deliver? Yeah, we had fun. We were lucky enough to do it a few times. It was quite, it was quite, uh, quite a thing really. Um, it was, um, I felt, I felt that, um, when they first said, I'm thinking, I don't know about this, you know, we've got to think about this carefully you know it's nationwide tv you know but i don't think we had much choice because the song was it take on the world i can't remember i can't remember which song it was the first time we did it but but it was um it it was really quite successful as a single because obviously it was all over the radio yeah and it sold, it was getting on for half a million, the sales, something like that. So we didn't have much choice. But the thing is, it was just about coming through to that time. So I know the one time we did it, we, got, we turned up at the studio and Saxon were there doing Wheels of Steel as well. So I'm thinking, this is starting to come, you know, and I think a lot of guys, you know, had, uh, you know, it was coming, metal was starting to, to, to get in into that and to me this was a good thing i only saw it as a good thing yeah you know to spread the word of like metal and and to try and get more people into the fold and um you know uh and rock out so it was a good thing but um but you know it was a bit weird i mean we were we did feel out of place i'm sure that the guys in saxon or whoever else did dc dc made whoever did it when they did it yeah would have felt a bit out of place i can remember <clears throat> walking into the studio and there was, there was these girls doing a routine there and i thought they were school kids i thought they were school girls you know they were tiny 
And it was like Pam's people. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was some kids from a school. I was thinking, hang on. I need to look closely here because usually your eyes pop out your head yeah. when they come on, you know. And they look larger than life. Yeah. They had shorts on there. They're like daytime routine wear. So I remember that well. And um, and we did it with the Osmonds, which was weird. because <laughs> That's quite strange, isn't it? That's yeah, a combo. Because we went on and Rob pulled his ball whip out. <laughs> and um, and he was going to use his ball whip, you know, because we used to have badges made with I've been whipped by Rob Halford. We used to hand them out and stuff like that at gigs. And they went down a storm, you know, people loved them. They used to fight over them. <laughs> I don't know why, but they did. But anyway, so, uh, and then we got to the feedback that they, they'd come back. Donnie and Marie said, if he uses that ball whip, we're not going to perform. So I, said, <laughs> I said that to the producer. <laughs> and I can remember, I can remember going, somebody says, you've got to go into makeup now. And I said, oh, no, I'm fine. No, no you've got to go into, into makeup now. Um, because they had, whatever happens, you know, you can't be seen with a Greek, greasy, spotty face if somebody's got to put a, a BBC camera on you. I suppose that that was their criteria. Anyway, I sat in the chair like like we go like 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 a kid going to the dentist the first time. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and Marie was in the next chair next to me, and um, and, and I knew it was her because I could tell by her hair and that. Just to me, I thought that's Marie. That is, you know, she's got the cucumbers on the eyes and everything. You know, brilliant, and uh, and all of that. And and the lady came up to me, and and, and she got all of these. Her hands were in wraps and Marie and all of this, you know. And um and and and, and the lady and the lady came up to me and said, uh, she took one look at me and went, Oh, you'll you'll do, you're fine. And I went, Oh, oh there you go. And I felt like I was so close to saying something to Marie. I didn't, I could tell it really because I was a bit upset about her them restricting our performance, you know. Yeah. But Rob didn't but we had our we had our moment of uh, uh, subterfuge after the show, really. When we were exiting, we did have a bit of a a bit of a rant to uh, Donnie and Marie. I hope they forgive us by now. <laughs> but, but but I'm thinking, let let your fellow musicians and act do what they do. You know, I mean. Keep your nose out of it, you know. You're lovely people and you're great and talented artists, but but let the mighty priest do what the mighty. If they want to, if Rob wants to wheel the bull whip, it's all show business entertainment, isn't it? Course it's, it is. Uh, Course it is. All right, I'm going to take you home for track six, uh, and I'd like a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. The home county. Have you gone country? Home country, yes, it was country, wasn't it? Sorry, did you say county? I did, um, but you'll, you'll be about the 250th guest that has gone, oh, I thought it was country, so don't worry, you're in good company yeah, yeah. there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, well, yeah. Well, yeah, I could have done, obviously, because there's quite a few music- musicians, but I did put down Peter Green, didn't I? Yeah. And um, the reason... I like Peter Green so much is because he was, he had so much 
talent, you know. And I say that because I like people that have charisma. And like Hendrix had incredible charisma, you know. So, but not only are they great musicians and they look great and present well and perform great, you know, they have the charisma, but also what they actually, you know, the songs, what their contribution to the evolution of our music, our beloved music today is very important to me, you know. So what his contribution was very, very significant and for the simple reason, you know, because I, t- I tell the story about when I was a very young teenager and all we had was blues, really, and some pop. Um, but it was very important um, that the, the step from blues to progressive blues was very, very important. And the songs that he was writing, because when he was in the Blues Breakers with John Mayle and that, you know, the albums he did was absolutely, it was wonderful and it was majestic and it, and he seemed to be carved out for that, but he wanted to progress. So he formed Fleetwood Mac and he started writing songs, you know, songs like Oh Well, mm. Green Man Alishi, Albatross. And these songs, you could barely pin them to the progressive blues board, you know, because they were kind of so incredible as progressive blues because they were blues songs Mm. but there was such a twist on them i mean if you take albatross for example you listen to that i mean that is an incredible progressive blues song you know um but it is a blues song but it's extremely progressed you know and it because it's so beautiful and majestic. I mean, the tone of the guitars and everything that goes into that. But look at the other songs. I mean, Green Man Alicia. Well, I mean, we we did that song. We've done different version, versions of that song, you know, so much so that pre- people probably think it is a Judas Priest song. But, you know, and there's other songs as well. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of now. But if you look at, the, at, at what Peter Green did, the songs... It's it's really quite uh, forward thinking and futuristic, and that did lead people like myself onto, um, you know, on, on, on the on the evolution, the path of evolution of this this music, this wonderful music that we love, you know, uh, Fleetwood Mac and Pete, Peter Green was very very instrumental. You know, the other the other bands that were playing progressive were it was more identifiable as blues, but you had to think and listen carefully to a lot of stuff that Peter, Peter Green did. And so for that reason, I picked Peter Green because uh, he deserves it's what he created in such a short period of time. You know, just literally a few years. It was it was it was you know it was. It was quite incredible because Hendrix was just four or five years to us, wasn't it? You know what I mean? Absolutely. You know, with Fleetwood Mac, it was kind of a similar time of small time period, but they became and always will be great. Well, for the last track, uh, I'm going to ask you to tell me, please, a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. And I put down, yes. I did Polar Nights by the Scorpions. Yeah. 
I circa 72, 73, I'm, I'm guessing, it could be 71, but it was, it was um, a long, long time ago. It was a long time ago. But obviously, because we've got the majestic early John Roth in there, just letting it rip there, doing the vocals as well, you know, and when I heard that, because Hendrix hadn't long passed by the time that happened, and um, you've probably heard the saying that some guitar players in the world, not because they can stand up to the, the ability uh, of, of the mighty Jimi Hendrix, but, you know, there are guitar players that, that were influenced by Jimi because they, 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 they had so much appreciation for him, his skills and what he did for music and what he did for them um, uh, inspirationally. And I was one of them. Uli's another, you know, um, and there are quite a lot of Frank Marino from Mahogany Rush. You know, they call us the Sons of Hendrix, not not just because we can hold the candle, but but they affected us, you know, and, and we just so much in appreciation. You know, I was in so much of appreciation of Jimi Hendrix that I couldn't play his songs, didn't want to. I was devastated when he died because I'm thinking, Jesus, this great thing in my life and now it's gone, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of good for me to be able to hear uh, the song Polar Nights by the great Uli John Roth because he too was like a brother to me at the time, I think. You know, to me, and I, I saw... You know, we were kind of had similar kind of thoughts. And um, and I would suggest everybody checks it out. It'll be on YouTube, Polar Nights uh, by Uli John Roth of the Scorpions. Well, we make it very easy for, for listeners to go and uh, check that out because we do a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast with all the songs that we've spoken about on. So so people can go and listen to, to all of your picks. Um, as we uh, are halfway through... Um, the uh, 2021 and, w- and we're looking that the second half is going to be a lot more connected and, 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 and back to, I guess what we, we, we were more familiar with um, with that in mind. Um, what are you looking forward to from the rest of this year um, personally and what's going to be happening professionally? Well, we're sitting, we're, we're waiting for gigs to come along, you know, um, like, so we had some super shows last year uh, and this year, but they were cancelled, you know, uh, that would have been fantastic, um, but not to be. So obviously at the moment we're busy um, promoting. In fact, we've just released another video today, Raise Your Fist, uh, which is the fourth video from the album. So um, we're busy doing stuff like that, still promotion. Um, but in the background, I'm steadily putting some uh, material together, which is sounding great for the next record. And I'll continue to do that until the right tour comes along. Unfortunately, we've got this terrible kind of two-year backlog where bands and promoters and gigs are they're kind of catching up, fulfilling stuff that was been booked from back then. Mm. So we, we need to get all of that out of the way. Um, but it all depends on success, really. Because, um, you know, if, um, the better chance we've got, if the more success we can have with the record, then the more options will be to us, you know, to. But when we go out there, we just want to go out there and do a world tour and, um, and uh, just like the old days. 
and just keep on going, you know. Um, but we'll be very busy working on the next record anyway. So the, if we can get that done or the mainstay of it done, when we get that out there on tour, we can just stay out there for as long as, you know, because we'll have another record in the pipeline. So that that'll be that would be a great position to be in. Wonderful. Well, I, I look forward to seeing um, that 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 tour um, present itself in the future um, and new music. Um, best of luck with the the stuff that you're putting out at the moment. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you. I've had such a lovely time. Thank you so much. Uh, let me thank you, Stu, giving me the opportunity to say hello to you and uh, and all of the fans. Um, just like to say, if you can be. I think we've all learned to be patient now. It's it's one of those things, isn't it? We have to. Uh, it's a matter of having to be, but we're very much looking forward to some playing some gigs for everyone, and we hope to come to as many towns and cities near you as we possibly can. Wonderful, you're a gentleman. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stu. Take care, mate. See Cheers, you next mate. Time. There you go. Ah. Oh, could have spoke to him for hours. It was so nice. It was just lovely seeing. It, it was, you know, just seeing the smile on his face as he was sort of just talking about the the music that's been so important for him. And, and you know, when he was, um, I mean, unless you're watching this on Patreon, then, you know, he, um, when he was talking about the beginning of Foxy Lady and, and, and that vibrato before, you know, uh, Hendrix just chimes in with uh, Foxy Lady. Like, he was literally playing air guitar and just lost in it. And that was so lovely to see, you know. That's somebody that he's clearly got, you know, a very, very, very unhealthy obsession with with, with music. And uh, and long may that continue. Um, yeah, absolutely lovely episode. And uh, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I did, you know, being privileged to, to sit there and, and talk to him about his career in rock and roll. Um, go check out the new records. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I hope he's got a load of new fans today from uh, from from uh, doing that episode um, because he was an absolute gentleman. Right, I'm back next time. In the meantime, as mentioned at the beginning, give us a like, love, share, retweet. Go check out the Patreon um, and get access to the video episodes and all the other goodies and radio shows and that. Um, you can find out about everything you need to know about this podcast at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com. Dot com. I'm back next time. Um, be excellent to each other. Thanks loads. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whiffin. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.